here we are. <laughs> we have arrived. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello. And welcome to another episode of The Ginger, The Gay, and, and The, the Gruesome. Gruesome. I feel like we're just getting better. I know, right? It's only up from here. Yeah. I mean, it, it could get worse, but we're not going to think that way. We're going to be optimistic. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yes. So, any updated stuff on your life going on since the last time we've spoken? No. Well, let's talk <laughs> a little bit about a true crime, real life true crime. I mean, it's all real life, but... Some relevant info. In Moscow, Idaho, on December 13th of this year, no, that hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened yet. On November 13th of, of this, this year, year. Uh, in a Moscow, Idaho. Oh, thanks, Technical Siri. Technical difficulties. She's always listening and she I butts know. in at the weirdest Shut time. up, Siri. We're busy. <laughs> So, there were four people, four Idaho Ian's students at the, the college who were murdered. BSU? I brought it up. University of Idaho. Boom. Okay. So, four students. So, six students live in, in a house and it's, um, I think they call it a split level house. And it, so like when you walk in, it's like in Colorado. So, you walk in from outside and that floor is technically the second floor Mm -hmm. so you have the basement and then you have the second floor which is the third floor so i guess two of the roommates were down in the basement that's where their rooms are and then there was two in the living room and the or in the living room in the on the second floor and then two on the upper floor and the last thing that i saw And this is where it's, like, really creepy. Because most of the time, you know, the news will announce that this is happening. This is blah, blah, blah. We have a person of, like, a suspect or a person of interest or this is, the you know, something. And Mm -hmm. they have nothing. They don't know if it's, like, they don't know if it's one person who's done this, if it's a team of people who have done this. It just came in, uh, stabbed to death four of the students, so the second and the third floor students were killed. The bottom two students didn't hear anything. They never woke up. They don't know why they were not murdered. They don't know what transpired. They just know that... They're still alive. Yeah. Two, the two in the basement. And they just floor. woke up and they were like, what happened? Yeah, so basically what happened is they thought one of their roommates they have like some people over like in the mornings you know like when you're in college you have friends come over in the mornings y'all do breakfast or whatever mm-hmm. and i guess they went to go wake up a friend and one of the the roommates or they were talking to one of the roommates or something they went up there and realized they were unresponsive unresponsive if you're stabbed to death you're bloody and stuff yeah so that's i have questions because they were unresponsive did you check for a pulse after like for the blood covered body there was at least one phone call i think two phone calls to the police one of the friends who was over called the police and they said like they're unresponsive blah 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 and then it was like they're they're dead like this is this is what's happened so i know at least two of the students had defensive wounds on them from like fighting off an assailant so you'd gotta you have to think there's noise there's noise because banging around i mean if i in my apartment when i used to live in an apartment if somebody's walking around even in my house if my dogs are walking around upstairs i can hear it yeah imagine if somebody's attacking you Mm -hmm. and you're fighting them off i would be like hmm that's a more aggressive sound than usual yeah, and so, and just like last week, they were like, yeah, so I guess two of them came home after they had been to a party, mm. and so, you know, it's like 2 a.m. comes out. So it was like 2 a.m., they come home, 
Um, and I guess the other roommates just thought that they were, but I don't know. It's really, it's, I mean, we are in it, you know, like it's happening now. It's weird because you hear about these stories or you, you, like I research about this stuff or I look into this stuff and it's always like, oh, this happened, blah, blah, blah. I don't like really at least a couple months ago or something. Yeah. And it's like, it's now we're happening now. So we will give you updates. Yes. As the news unfolds. Yeah. We'll find the murder together. Together. If anybody has any information. Call the Moscow Police Department in oh. Idaho. Or email us. <laughs> I think police first. Okay. Police first. But if you want to fill us in so we can get the word out. Yes. Because stabbing is a, a very like yeah. personal thing. It's not just. That's what they say. Yeah. It's like somebody who wants to be like involved in the murder. It's yeah. not like a gun where you can like close your eyes yeah. or it's impersonal. Psychiatrists and stuff say it's like Yeah. You're being there's a lot of rage too. Yes. There's and a there's lot of emotion and at least that's what they say on criminal minds. That's yeah. what Aaron Hodgson says all the time. Shout out. So we will keep y'all you know, kind of updated on yeah. what's going on and hopefully we can learn together. Yeah. And hopefully they find something and they yeah. can, you know, cause who's to say that this person isn't going to go do, it, do again. it again. And that's, you know, so university of Idaho students and surrounding neighborhoods, keep your doors locked and your eyes peeled. I'm pretty sure their doors were locked. It's a really creepy scene. Buy an extra deadbolt. Yeah. Get so, just put cans in front of your door. Yeah, as we learned last week, golf clubs in front of the door. Yes. You'll wake up. Yes. That is security alarm system 101. Tips to carry with you. <laughs> Teach your children. We'll oh. come out with a survival handbook. Yes. <laughs> not, not like survive in the wilderness. Uh, yeah, don't take not. our word for it, people. <laughs> I just know that at the ripe age of 30. Three. Did you forget how old you were? I did. I was I was gonna say thirty-two, but that is Oof. not how old I am. That is past girlfriend. <laughs> it Aren't will you almost... about to turn thirty-four. Yes. I will be turning thirty-four <laughs> in like a couple days. Three weeks. <laughs> something like that. Um normally I have to ask my friend Katie. I'm like, how old are we again? Ours. FBI Our consultant. FBI. Caddy Heron. <laughs> With all that being said, let's jump right on into the story, shall we? Let's jump right in. Dun dun dun. We'll have to get sound effects. We should get sound effects. Everybody, email us your favorite sound effect. <laughs> can we give our email? <laughs> we were not be giving our email so people can send us. No, we have our podcast email. Okay. You can weed they through that. They might want to send us stuff. I will weed through it. Okay. The five emails that we get after hey, this. let's aim big. Let's go for okay. seven emails. Seven emails, people. Yes. I need seven emails. The eighth email will win a gift card. For what? Five bucks to Starbucks, baby. Come on. We are just starting out, okay? <laughs> we are brand new at this. Yeah. Apparently, you don't start making money till 5,000 listens. Mm-hmm, Send mm-hmm. it to your friend, baby. <laughs> okay. So, this week, we are going to be talking about Ernesto Miranda. Now, does that name sound familiar at all? Yeah. What? Miranda writes, baby. It is. That is who we're talking about. Woo! The person that essentially started the concept and the law for the Miranda warning, um, his trial. Now, before we get into all of it, just know he's kind of a dick, okay? He's not a good person. We're not thankful. This is, I mean, yes, it needs to happen because, you know, they need to know about their rights. Oh, yeah. But we're not giving him glory for no, the situation. No, it was he's just a, an asshole who used the system to get out of a situation. But are you ready? Let's do My it. My seatbelt is buckled. And we are ready to go. Heck yeah. Safety first. <laughs> so, Ernesto Arturo Miranda. Beautiful. Yes. Arturo is a great middle name. It is a great middle name. On Gilmore Girls, that's Max Medina's middle name. Oh. He's named after a butcher. How cool. Yeah. 
Okay. So he was born March 9th, 1941 in Mesa, Arizona. Okay. Toasty. But dry. <laughs> Ernesto started... Dry toast. <laughs> dry toast. Not dark, hot. <laughs> Ernesto started getting in trouble very early on. He was in grade school when he started getting into, like, not just normal kid trouble. Some serious trouble. I don't want to say it's serious in grade school, but he's just, you know, he's just... He's a troublemaker. Yes. And his mother passed away when he was six years old. Oof. Which is sad. That is very sad. And his father very quickly remarried. Okay, how quickly we talking? I don't know. I couldn't say... I couldn't find that out. I would consider it, like, if somebody's up very quickly, like, a year? Well... Within a year? 19... So, okay, 1947? Mm-hmm. I would imagine it's... Quick turnaround. It's a quick turnaround, especially because he has... It's not just him, it's his other brothers, too. So, it's a single father okay, with kids. So, you know... And I don't know if this is the cause for why, because his dad remarried and and whatnot, but he did not get along with his, they did not have a good relationship. They did not get along at all. With his dad? With his dad. Okay. And he was very distant between his, like, other brothers and his stepmom. So he was just basically a loner in his home. Black sheep. Black sheep of the family. And his first criminal conviction was in eighth grade. <gasps> eighth grade. Eighth grade. What was the conviction? I don't know. Smoking pot behind the school. I don't know. I don't. I don't think nothing was that I legal at that time. It's always been illegal, and really? yeah, no, that's never been like an okie dokie thing. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Like I said, very early on, I think it was he theft. Okay. Now that I think about it, I think it was theft. Okay. It, it, he doesn't have issues with drugs. Okay. That's never a part of the story. Okay. So he, um, the next year, he was convicted of burglary and sentenced to a year in reform school. It was Arizona State Industrial School for Boys, or ASISB. Rad. That's a, a solid acronym. <laughs> A sisb, a sisb, a sisb. <laughs> In 1956, about a month after he was released, he got in trouble again and was sent back to ISISB uh, or ASISB. After his second release, he moved to LA. Within months of being in LA, he became a star. He almost did. He. Was arrested again Woo! for armed robbery, and um, fire. we have upgraded to attempted sexual misconduct. Oh, no. Yeah. Things are progressing. Things are progressing, and not in a great way. So, after two and a half years in custody, he... So, now he's in jail. Now he's in jail, but he was never convicted... Of the burglary, sexual... Attempted sexual assault. Two years in custody. Now, it doesn't seem like he was actually convicted of these things. I think he just was in jail until... Like, he didn't make bail, and so he was in jail until... His hearing, and and it took two years. Yeah. So... And then he was let go? Well, kind of. So, he was in custody for two and a half years, but then was extradited back to Arizona. So they weren't quite done with him. Okay. Arizona was like, it's our turn. Yeah, it's our turn. We'll get our stuff. So now he's 18 and he basically bobs around the southern U.S. getting the White House tour of jails from Arizona. Up We're on to, a roll. Yeah, to, up to Tennessee. So All for like things like burglary yeah. and things like that. Okay. Um, the funniest one is in Texas. So he bobs around. Ugh, he came here. Yes, he did. And he, Rude, stay he gets, out of our state. He gets arrested for, I don't even know if this is still a law, but it is the silliest law. So this is between 1954 and 1958. So he comes to Texas. Right. And he is jailed for living 
on the street without money or a place to live. So he's homeless. Homeless, and he's jailed for it. On the street, and then they arrest him. Yes. I have to think there was more. Rad. I mean, if I'm on the... I'm not trying to say anything, but like... Now they're going to feed Meals. you and you have a place to sleep and you've got shelter. Yeah. I'd be like, cool, man, I'm down. I mean, I've never personally been to jail, but I just don't think that it, it would, it would be, comfortable. be fun. Although, it, again, it is Texas. But exactly. And we do we know if it's the summer or the winter? We don't. Either way, it's not fun. Unless you hit that sweet spot. Yeah, the two whole weeks a year (laughs) where it's just tank tops and a scarf. Didn't we talk about the weather in our last episode? Yes. Texas weather is gnarly, folks. (laughs) Actually, I really enjoy it. (laughs) It is not for the faint of heart. It is like 70 degrees and it's December. Yeah. Here for it. I'd like it to be a little bit cooler. I want to wear sweats. And boots. Sweats and boots. Not that I am not wearing these things and sweating through it, but (laughs) I digress. So in Nashville, he was arrested for driving a stolen car. This got him sentenced for a year and a day in federal prison because he didn't just drive the stolen car. He drove it across state lines. Fantastic. He's on the ball. Yep. So it got him a one-way ticket to... Ohio, and after being released, he basically stayed out of trouble for two, well, for a couple of years. So straight and narrow, right? So he didn't graduate from high school, assumably, right? Because if this is happening in '58, I'm going to say born he in probably. He's 17. Well, well, I guess maybe graduate. I mean, so I'm assuming that there's probably a pro- program in the ASISB. Because, I mean, it is a reform school. Yeah. So, I'm assuming that they... So, he stayed out of trouble for a couple of years. Kind of. Sort of. Because in 1958, he joined the Army and was quickly dishonorably discharged. During his enlistment, he spent six months of hard hard labor in the stockade at Fort Campbell in Kentucky. This was punishment for being reported AWOL several times. Several Several times. As well as being a super duper creep and watching and spying on people engaging in sexual activities to like ick. Like on the base? I don't know. Oh my god. Either way, it's not great. I mean, it's never great. Like, you know, it's just... Nah, it's, nah. Keep your eyeballs to yourself. <laughs> they literally have a whole industry for that. Like, yeah, don't watch other people. It's weird. Mm-mm. I mean, no kink shaming, but not when people don't know. It's not cool. So at that point, he was ordered to undergo psychiatric counseling, but only attended one session. Mm, that's not great. Nope. Uh, He was never definitively diagnosed with a mental disorder. So that's pretty much a story of him. Just since a young child in trouble. Okay. Constantly. So on March 3rd, 1963, 18-year-old Lois Ann Jameson was heading home alone after her late night shift at a local theater in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm, Theater guy. I don't know if it's, like, theater theater or if it's, like, a movie theater. Oh. I'm going to... I think it's probably a movie theater. Yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> theater. Um, Not the theater. It's <laughs> just the theater. The theater. <laughs> E-R, not R-E. Yeah. <laughs> when... Um, so, she was heading home and she was attacked. Her assailant forcibly dragged her into his car while threatening her with a knife. Fantastic. Yeah. He drove her out to the Arizona desert. So already not great. Breaking Bad. Mm, I never actually really watched that show. So. Oof. I'm not really. You've not seen Harry Potter. We don't. Okay. We. I've seen some of the Harry Potters. Okay. There's not all of them. You've fallen asleep through them. That doesn't mean you've seen them. 
Yeah, I have been present in the room while they were playing. Oh, God. (laughs) So he drove her out to the Arizona desert, tied her up, raped her, stole her money, and then dropped her off a few blocks away from our home. Basically, where he picked her up, just like... No. Yeah. So, but like she lived, so that's good. I mean, I'm so glad that she lived. Yes. But and that's like, just like a weird pick her up, take her, bring her back, drop her off. Yeah. Where he picked her up, like that's a weird mentality. Yeah. From like other instances that we've seen, you know. I mean, there's so many times where it's like. He sexually assaulted her and then he murdered her, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's just, it's a weird dichotomy that he dropped her right back off. Yeah. Like it, nothing happened. Yeah. Like people could be looking for her. Yeah. There's something going on. Yeah. There. So he dropped her back off. So when he tied her up though, he told her that if he, if she stayed quiet and didn't yell that he, uh, he wouldn't hurt her. So she remained quiet during the entire attack. Oh, wow. Which, I don't know why, I feel like that would fuck you up so much. Yeah. Because it's like submission. Yes. Well, since... Well, like, you're in the middle of the Arizona desert, like, also, like, who Who's gonna hear you? But, I mean, I guess if you're paranoid and... And an asshole. Maybe. I don't know. This lady. Lois. Lois. What a badass bitch. Yeah? Because when I he- when I read about what she went through to find her attacker, it's it doesn't seem it's not like it doesn't seem like a lot that she does, but to your psyche, what she goes through mm-hmm. is crazy. Yeah. So, um she was able to att- um to describe her rapist as a Mexican male about 27 or 28. About five foot eleven inches tall, about one hundred and seventy five pounds, with short black curly hair and dark rim glasses. She was able to give the description of the vehicle and the license plate. Hell yeah, girl! Right? So I mean, she was like, "I'm ready." Yeah, I got this, and that's it's what everyone I feel like who doesn't expect to get kidnapped, but like, I hope when I'm that. When you think of it, yeah. you're like, don't forget to, you uh-huh. know, like if this ever happens to me, like look at the car, you know, and she nailed Do all the it. Things. Yeah. So her cousin actually uh, sees the truck, recognizes the tr- truck mm-hmm. later. Well, detectives actually narrowed down the suspects to three or four Hispanic males matching his, dis- or that description, including Miranda. So, Lois Ann, also, by the way, that's not her name. There is not a lot of information about her. This was a name that was given to her in court. Um, But essentially, she is... You don't know who she is. Like, witness protection? Not witness protection so much, but it was just, like... Some sort of, like, protective thing. I think so. So that, like, her life isn't invaded. I think so. I think... Just for whatever reason, they didn't release any of that information good for them yeah okay so whenever they so they they ended up doing a lineup now they didn't formally charge him when he did like he wasn't under arrest when he did the lineup miranda and so they pulled lewis in lewis lois (laughs) and uh so they pulled her in to do a lineup and unfortunately she did not she wasn't able to 100 percent identify him she just said that that he looks similar so like he didn't she wasn't able to positively id that is the man number four is the man she didn't do that she just said he looks similar okay well with that technically that is not a positive match yeah the police officer or the detectives involved in this case did not care they were like we know it's him yeah so they, the detectives told him, so he, they come back into the room and he is like, you know, so how did I do? And they told him that he failed, that she positively ID'd him. And that was that. Okay. Now, this is the part that I'm like, I cannot believe, I mean, granted it was 1963, times were very different, but they pulled her into the room with him. 
to ID him face to face. Wow. Yeah. So, like, let that sink in for just a moment. She mm-hmm. was kidnapped. Yes. Tied up, raped from this man, was strong enough to go to the police to, you know, fill out the yeah. report to do the thing to get everything done. And then put right back, back in front of him. Right back in front of him. To look him in the eye. Yeah. And so he straight up asked, is, is this the girl? Like, asked the detectives as she's standing there, is this the girl? No. And they were like, yeah, it is. Ugh. And so after... I bet she's freaking reaming with anger. Right? Oh, my god! But she did the thing because she's a badass bitch. So they started a two-hour-long invest... Or, um... Two hour long interrogation. With her there? No. She she okay, at this point she gone. left. Did she say yes it's him when she saw him face to face? I didn't see anything that said that. Okay. It was more so we don't really know it how was it more that she was standing in front of him, like she was in the room and his reaction to her. Okay. Not so much verbiage. Okay. These two hours of interrogation basically will mold the way one of the biggest judgments that accuse that are for the accused. After this two hour long interrogation, he does a written confession. Okay, he confesses to it, he writes it down. Okay. So after the next two hours of interrogating, Ernesto hand wrote a confession to the kidnapping and rape. At the top of each sheet of paper was printed, and this is verbatim this statement has been made voluntarily and of my own free will with no threats coercion or promises of immunity with uh, and with full knowledge of my legal rights understanding any statement i make can and will be used against me so on every sheet of paper that he is writing his confession on that is printed on the top okay he goes to trial and of course it's brought up he has this confession blah 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 now, he is sentenced to, and the part of the trial is not really what's the important part. The yeah. important part is that he, the, this written confession. Yes. That he was not physically told of his rights, and you would think somebody who's been in and out of trouble as much as he has his entire life, that he would read know. the paper. Or that he'd know what they are, but yeah. that's, who am I to say? So, he was actually sentenced, he was convicted, found guilty... Um, of kidnapping and rape, so two separate charges, and was sentenced to 20 to 30 years for each count, and it was to be served concurrently. Rad. 20 to 30. People now don't get 20 to 30 years for that. Mm -hmm. So two concurrent sentences, right? Wonderful. Wonderful. Until. (laughs) Basically, you know, how our system works, you're convicted, and then you go on appeals. And so in an appeal, he basically brought this up. They then went to the Arizona Supreme Court and basically seeing, like, were his rights ever, you know, infringed upon. upon. Originally, they came back with a, nope, he's good. That is, everything's fine and dandy. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so I have printed out and I'm going to be reading the bullet points for four different cases. And basically, Ernesto started the ball rolling to, like, get this... Into motion. Yeah. In these four cases, there's Miranda versus Arizona, Vignero versus New York, Westover versus United States, and California versus Stewart. In none of these four cases was the defendant given a full or effective warning of his rights prior to commencement of the interrogation process. In all these cases, the questioning elicited oral admissions. Three of them, signed statements, were admitted into trial. So they were never given their rights, and in at least three of the cases, that was used to convict them in trial. Okay. One of the things, before we we touch on that, one of the things that Ernesto stated after his, years after, Miranda described his experience in interrogation room as follows. Now, this is a direct quote. 
once they get you in a little room and they start badgering you one way or another, you better tell us or we're going to throw the book at you. That is what they told me. They would throw the book at me. They would try to give me all the time they could. They thought there were even the possibility that there was something wrong with me. They could try to help me. They could get me medical care if I needed it. And I hadn't had any sleep since the day before. I'm tired. I just got off work and they have me and they are interrogating me. They mentioned first one crime, then another one. They are certain I am the person. Knowing what the penitentiary is like, a person <laughs> a person has to be frightened, scared. And now knowing if he'll be able to get back and go home. So that's a direct quote. And it's conjumbled. It's hard to read. Yeah. So that's what he said about the whole situation. So basically, like, I was tired. I worked. I didn't really get any sleep the night before. And because of all that, you know, when they're consistently badgering you over and over and over, you will just agree to anything just to get out of the situation. Yeah. And that's, that's been across, that's been a thing for ages. Yeah. I mean, you can't watch a crime show without that coming up at least once. Oh, yeah. That is what he said about this. So, the bullet points for Miranda versus Arizona. On March 13th, 1963, perpetrator Ernesto Miranda was arrested at his home and taken into custody to a police station in Phoenix, Arizona, where he was identified by the complaining witness. He was then taken to an interrogation room where he was questioned by two police officers for two hours, which resulted in a signed written confession. During his trial before the jury, the, the written confession was admitted into evidence over the objection of the defense counsel, and the officers testified to the prior oral confession made by Miranda during the interrogation. Miranda was found guilty of kidnapping and rape and sentenced to 20 to 30 years imprisonment on each count, sentenced to run concurrently. On appeal, the Arizona Supreme Court held that Miranda's constitutional rights were not valid, uh, violated in obtaining the confession and affirmed the conviction, stressing heavily the fact that Miranda did not specifically request counsel. So that is, that's the layout of his trial. Vignera versus New York on October 14th, 1960, perpetrator Michael Vignera. Again, I don't know if I'm saying that right. That's fine. It's only been one though in this entire case. I know. I'm doing real good. It sounded right. Um, He was picked up by New York police in connection with a robbery of a dress shop that had occurred three days prior. He was first taken to the 17th Detective Squad uh, headquarters and then to 66th Detective Squad, where he orally admitted to the robbery and placed under formal arrest thereafter. He was then taken to the 70th Precinct for detention, where he was questioned by an assistant district attorney in the presence of a hearing reporter and transcribed the questions and answers. At trial, the oral confession and the transcript were presented to the jury, where Vignera was found guilty of first-degree robbery robbery and sentenced to 30 to 60 years imprisonment. I just, um, I just want to shine a light on the fact that he robbed a store and got 30 to 60 years. Mm-hmm. And then the guy who raped and kidnapped a girl got 20 to 30 years times two. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. That's interesting. Fun thing to think about. Yeah. Um, and then the conviction was affirmed without option by the Appellate Division and Court of Appeals. Okay. So that is Vignera versus New York. Now, Westover versus United States. On March 20th, 1963, perpetrator Carl Calvin Westover was arrested by local police in Kansas City as a suspect in two Kansas City robberies and taken to a local police station. A report was also received by the FBI that Westover was wanted on a felony charge in California. Westover was interrogated the night of the arrest and the next morning by a local police. After that, the FBI agents continued the interrogation at the station. After two and a half hours of interrogation by the FBI, Westover signed separate confessions, which had been prepared by one of the agents during the interrogation to each of the two robberies in California. So he didn't even write them. I'm not saying that he didn't do it. I'm just saying this he is... He didn't write the confession? No, it, they... Um, they had prepared them. Yeah. And then he just signed them. Yeah. Uh, the statements were introduced at trial where Westover was convicted of the California robberies and sentenced to 15 years imprisonment on each count. The conviction was affirmed by this uh, California for the Ninth Circuit. 
by the CA for the Ninth Circuit. Westover versus United States. Okay. And the last one is California versus Stewart. On January 31st, 1963, Roy Allen Stewart was arrested in his home after having been identified as the endorser of the check stolen in one of the robberies following the course of the investigation. A series of purse snatchers robberies where one of the victims died due to the injuries inflicted by her assailant. The police also arrested Stewart's wife and three other people who were visiting him. Stewart was thereafter placed in a cell and after the next five days interrogating on nine different occasions. So he was in a cell for five days. He was interrogated nine different times. Wow. During the ninth interrogation session, Stewart stated that he had robbed the deceased, but they did not mean to hurt her. At the time, the police released the four other people arrested with Stewart because there was no evidence to connect any of them to the crime. At the trial, Stewart's statements were introduced. Stewart was convicted of robbery and first-degree murder and sentenced to death. Now, I need to look up the first degree because if I I thought if if you murder someone... During another crime, are you looking it up? Mm-hmm. Perfect. Because I was thinking that it was second degree, but now that I say that, it might be first degree. First degree murder is the most serious of all homicide offenses. It involves any intentional murder that is willful and premeditated with malice. See, that's what I thought. So, like, if you if you're... Even if it's just like, I'm going to kill that person and then you kill them, it's still forethought. Like you weren't just. Yeah. So basically it's just planned. Now, second degree murder is a murder with malicious intent, but not premeditated. So it's just like, oh my God, now this is happening. I just decided to kill you. Well, and see, that's the thing is I don't... We'll never know. (laughs) So Stewart was convicted of robbery and first-degree murder and sentenced to death. The California Supreme Court reversed the decision, holding that Stewart would have been advised of his right to remain silent. The California Supreme Court revised the decision, holding that Stewart should have been advised of his right to remain silent and his right to counsel. So basically what they're saying is, if you don't know that you can shut up and not say anything, like anything that... Yeah, they're saying like it could have turned out differently if they told me that I could have had a lawyer here the whole time. Yeah. Or I didn't have to answer their questions. They're saying I was badgered for two hours or nine different times or blah, blah, blah. And I didn't know that I didn't have to say anything exactly or that i couldn't have a lawyer there exactly um the final ruling from the supreme court the supreme court is so the supreme court reversed the judgment of the supreme court of arizona and miranda versus the reversed the judgment of the new york court of appeals in vignera reversed the judgment of the court of appeals for the ninth circuit in westover and affirmed the judge uh, judgment of the Supreme Court of California and Stewart. So they, all of them except for Stewart, got yeah. away with it and got released. Not necessarily. So we're not going to focus on the other two. They're just basically, or the other, yeah, the other two. They just went into creating the Miranda right. Yeah. The court held that their, quote, there can be no doubt that the Fifth Amendment privilege is available outside of criminal criminal court proceedings and serves to protect the person. So they basically ruled, without proper safeguards, the process of in-custody interrogation of persons suspected or accused of crimes contains inherently compelling pr- uh, pressures which work to undermine the individual's will to resist and to compel him to speak where he would otherwise do so freely. Therefore, a defendant must be warned prior to any questioning that he has the right to remain silent, that anything he says can and will be used against him in the court of law, that he has the right to the presence of an attorney, and that he cannot, and if he cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed to him prior to any questioning if he so desires. And then they have to ask, do you understand these rights as I have given them to you? Yes. So. Which I think is great. Yeah. Like, that guy should not be obstructed from his injustices 
I don't think that's a saying. <laughs> <laughs> I use legal jargon in everyday situations. <laughs> I don't think he should get away with everything that he did. Just because of that. Yeah, just because, like, he wasn't told. Which, like, I mean, you know, maybe he didn't really know and blah, blah, blah. Which we should tell people. But... Like, you still did it, man. You still did it. You know? Like, it. that is a... Catch-22. Yeah. Like, that I, has nothing to do with the issue at hand. Like, we should let people know, like, you don't have to talk to us if you don't want to. You are allowed to... Like, you I will think, get a lawyer. But, like, you still kidnapped and raped a woman. Yeah. Well, and so basically what their whole thing is, if they did it and you do come by this correctly, then you will be able to retry or you, you'd have a more yeah, stand up trial. Yeah, you can go get more evidence and like if you come go about to me, it a different way. Yeah. And so instead of doing it in a sketch way. Yeah. Like instead of like verbally assaulting somebody. Yeah. You just go get proof. Mm-hmm. Which it shouldn't, because the thing of it is, is if you verbally assault an innocent person, if they're scared or emotional enough or something, they'll, they will say whatever you want them to say to get the F out of there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's basically a situation where we've all been in like a been in a situation where you're like, I'll just do whatever the, yes. whatever you want me to do so I can get out of here, exactly. you know? Exactly. When I was a young, young lass. A young lass. Um. Young lass Sammy. Yeah. I was, the summer in between freshman and sophomore year, I went to the mall with two friends who I later found out were stealing in every single store that I went to, or that we went to. And. Yeah. And you didn't even know it. So my mom dropped us off. My mom picked us up and she was like, you need to be here at two, you know, to pick so I can pick you up. Well, we are leaving Foley's when Foley's was still around. We were leaving Foley's and we got stopped by security. And so I had no idea what was happening. I honestly thought that she was one of those people who was like, would you like to sign up for AT&T? You know, like the... (laughs) Have you You're tried like, our no, new I'm clinic? Good, thank yeah. You. <laughs> you can leave. Thank you. Move along. Thank you. <laughs> so they pulled us back into this back room, which now, knowing what I know, they parents should have been called immediately. Like, we were minors. You can't just hold us. Yeah. But um, so, and my mom, I could see my phone was buzzing, and they weren't like literally, we they were pulling stuff out of backpacks. And, like, stolen merchandise out of backpacks. And my... I, I didn't have any of it. And so, I saw that my mom was calling and kept calling. And I was like, oh, my God. My mom is going to think we were kidnapped. And, like, that's going to be awful. Like, I just... She's probably panicking right now. Yeah. So, I just owned up to... Like, I was like, I took that. I took that. Like, because I was like, I need to call my mom. My mom is calling me. I need to answer the phone. And he was like, not until I get an answer about this. So I was like, fine, I took that. I took that. Like, now you need to call my mom. So they called my mom and she came, got me. And obviously she was pissed. I don't know what happened to the other two girls. I'm assuming their parents got called. I don't know. But um, they... Were you like all in separate rooms? No, we were all together in the same. And so my mom, or when we were leaving, the lady security guard... AP person um, was like, she's going to be going to court, blah, blah, blah. This is how much it's probably going to cost. You know, and I guess what happened after we left was that they started owning up to shit and told the truth. And I was like, well, she didn't steal anything because I never got any kind of anything in the mail. I never got called to court. I never owed any money. Wow. My mom did not know the truth about this story until like a year ago. And she thought you stole it She thought all? I stole shit. And I was like, Mom, I never stole that. I I literally, because I was panicking, because I thought you were panicking, and I didn't want you to think I was kidnapped because I'm the light of your life. I sacrificed it for you, for Mom. For you, Mom. Yeah, this is your fault. 
Needless to say, I did not hang out with them anymore. Because we're not friends with thieves. Good job. Mm -hmm. We don't support it. And so that was basically, I just owned up to it because I was like, I need to get out of this situation. I didn't steal those things. And they're like, this is what you need to do to get out of this situation. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, cool. I will own up to it. I stole this shit Mm -hmm. when I didn't steal anything. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that is most of the story. It ends kind of... It's not funny. When people are murdered, it's not funny. It's not funny. I'm not... Con- I, just because he did a shitty thing... Just because he did a it's shitty thing interesting. It's interesting. It's not fabulous. It's Let's interesting. Let's hear the... It's not fabulous. It is interesting. Let's hear the interesting deets. So what is fabulous is that... So after the conviction was overturned by the Supreme Court, the state of Arizona retried him. They were like, yes. no, no, no. AZ, what's <laughs> up? Coming in hot. Um, they retried him at the second trial. His confession was not introduced into evidence at all. Good. And Miranda once again was convicted and sentenced to 20 to 30 years in prison. Because you did it. Because you did it. And you had to serve it out with well. her. Yeah. He uh, didn't, didn't uh, so much. Story's not out. over yet, folks. Nope. So, in December of 1975, so he was convicted in, what did we say? 66? The murder happened in, in 1963. It was argued in 1966 and decided by the Supreme Court in, 1960, in June of 1966. So, so, was he out on bail this whole time or in jail? Do we know? We don't know. That's a great question. I didn't even look that up. I would assume... Wasn't this an appeal? No. Oh, this is before the appeal. This is this is not the appeal. This is after the appeal. In the appeal is when he brought up the evidence of, like, I was a coerced okay, so you, confession. So he's in jail if there's an appeal happening. Yeah. So he... So he was sentenced. Sentenced. Appeal happened. That's when all the stuff came out. And then they had, they took it to the Supreme Court and it was argued February 28th, March 1st, and March 2nd of 1966. And on June 13, 1966, they decided that was, it was going to be overturned. Mm -hmm. So then Arizona immediately. Back to Arizona. Yeah. Immediately retried him. And that's when he got resentenced the 20 to 30 years. So 66 to December 1975. So, nine years. He gets released on parole. Why? Who's to say? For good behavior? Well, sure, you can't rape, you know, any women when there's no women in there to rape. Oh, my God. So, he serves less than nine years. Yeah. And gets released. And he has two 20 to 30 year sentences. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. But. But. Just about a month after he gets released, a fight breaks out in a bar in Phoenix and he's stabbed to death. No! (laughs) Yep. His death date is January 31st, 1976. (laughs) Oh my God! God said no! Yes. Correct. Oh my God, he was stabbed to death in a bar fight? Yeah. Maybe don't be shitty person. Oh my gosh. Did that guy go to jail? Oh, I don't know. We support you. Just kidding. We do not support (laughs) murder. Yes. But, you know. So, yeah. That's the story. Wow. And that's why we have Miranda warning. Oh, my gosh. You know, it was a lot more lit than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. On how we got our Miranda warnings. Honestly, I had, I mean, it makes sense. Like, I was talking to my friend today. And she was like, when you really think about it, it makes sense that it was from a court case. But like in my brain, it just, I never didn't compute that that's what it was. Someone's name. Yeah. It was really just like, oh, we should be doing this. And you're like, okay, yeah, we should be doing this. Not like some rapist was like, well, I found a loophole. Yes. What a legacy. My goodness. So remember, folks, for... All your legal needs. Lawyer Lauren here. (laughs) (laughs) 
Lawyer Lauren here with your latest tip. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used to you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed to you. Do you understand the rights I have just read to you, Samantha? Oh, I have. I do. You're going downtown. Downtown. (laughs) Downtown. So, that was a beautiful story. Thank you for educating us. Yes, you are so welcome. And entertaining us. Um, If you guys enjoyed this story, share it with your friends. I always say this, you guys. I never know what it is. Whatever it is, like, subscribe, share. Scream from the rooftop. Comment. Leave us a review, but only if it's a good review. Yeah, five-star review. We do not need your criticism. unless. (laughs) Nor do we want it. Yeah. We don't want it. (laughs) But leave us a good review and help us out. And follow us on Instagram at Triple G Podcast. That's triple spelled out the letter G podcast. T-R-I-P-L-E-G podcast. Exactly. Um, And if you search the, the ginger, the gay, and the gruesome, it will also pop up under Triple G Podcast. So either way, search it. Follow us. Like our stuff, we're just getting started, so every little bit of support matters, and bear with us while we get everything up and going. Also, email us at, is it triple G podcast at? Hotmail. Hotmail.com. Mm-hmm. Triple G podcast, same spelling, hotmail.com. If you have any suggestions, or if you like what you heard, or... um. If you have any commentary, again positive, or if you again positive, but like about our murders, if you have something to add or any questions, again eighth emailer gets a five dollar Starbucks gift card. It's riveting. We're buying listeners. Hey, they love us. Okay, email us how much you love us. Yeah. I think that, is that it? I think so. I think that's about it. We love you guys. Samantha is going to dish us a new update on next week. Moscow, Idaho next week. So we can stay on the up and up. So stay tuned for more information on that. Yeah. And we will see you next time. Don't kidnap and rape people. Yes. And you have the right to remain silent. Okay, bye. Woo! Bye.